have to say, I'm kind of sad that we don't get a clear resolution at the end of this. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, like, you know, the war's still going, no end in sight. I was really hoping we get to see if those handsome Nazis pulled this thing off. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a little surprised that Neil Patrick Harris was, like, one of the head members of the SS. That's what the <laughs> costumes look like, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is the cause of some of the debate for this movie. Like, how intentional that was. Is it satire? Is it literal? Is it satire that people are taking literally? I feel like this might be kind of like a dicey one for us to talk about. I had trouble while watching this movie deciding whether it was like war propaganda or a celebration for, or whether it was tongue in cheek. I, I really found it hard to peg down the sort of mood here. Well, we will try and navigate that on this episode. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And today, by audience vote, how do you say that? I don't even know. Yeah. It's been a little while since we, <laughs> our summer vacation has been a, a long one, but a good one. Yeah, we, we had an audience vote for our season premiere episode. Same thing we did last year. And this year, the winner of a face-off that was not quite as close as I thought it was going to be, Starship Troopers, and that is what we are discussing today. Yeah, the other possible movie was Highlander, right? And I was kind of open for that. I have never seen the Highlander movie, and I know that like it's a very well... I don't know. I was going to say well-respected. Try the wrong one. Yeah, it's a well-known series or a like selection of movies. Definitely. You know what? We'll do what we did last year. We'll just watch it later on in the season because uh, that's, that's a... It's an enjoyable, good time. I think we'll have fun with that. But yes, Starship Troopers today. And again, like a little bit of controversy. A lot of people now don't necessarily think this is a bad movie or at least have fond memories of it. It's not a one that, like Showgirls, which ironically directed by the same guy, Paul Verhoeven, uh, has kind of taken on over time sort of a renewed or a kind of like a cultural reappraisal where now a lot of the satire stuff that we were just talking about is more acknowledged and accepted than it was when it first came out. So That's interesting. I didn't realize it was the same director as Showgirls. It's and also Total Recall. Really? Yeah. This is our third Paul Verhoeven movie. Wow. Um, it's interesting to me that so much of the movies he makes could land themselves here, right? Like they could have a lot of people who are upset at them, but then also, I assume, have a large community of people who really enjoy those movies. You're saying he's a provocateur? Yeah, in some yeah. ways, yeah. Well, there's a lot of that throughout this, and we will, of course, cover it. But before we do, let's talk about the beer that we are enjoying mm. with today's movie. You found this one. I think this is a pretty cool match. It's called Trooper. This is a beer that was a collaboration between Iron Maiden and a British brewery. I think it was called Robinson. So Bruce Dickinson, I think he's the lead singer of Iron the Maiden. The Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he wanted to make a beer, and he got together with a brewery, and they put out the Trooper beer. One of their most famous songs being the Trooper, right? Both the song and the beer fit well with our Starship Troopers. It is a premium British beer. It sounds like it's in the style of many British ales, and that's usually sort of like a maltier, darker beer in my See, I thought so, and I got excited about that, but then when I was reading the description, it does mention a few different kinds of hops that apparently dominate this deep golden ale, so this could be a battle between the two of us and what we like for this beer. Or maybe it's the perfect beer. Ooh, it might be right in the middle, yeah. Why was there no Iron Maiden in this movie? Or like, the music was kind of like... Almost non-existent in points. Yeah, music did not drive this at all. There was some in the background. It felt kind of like really traditional movie-making music. 
some of those early like war films, but had classical music in the background. I, I actually got that big that rock soundtrack. You're, you're right. What you're describing is true, but I'm guitars and drums. And, well, especially you know. coming out in 97, I think a lot of movies at the time were leaning pretty heavily on popular music when they were doing their soundtracks and they didn't touch that here. So that's a good point by you. And I, I'm guessing maybe an intentional like propaganda tone of keep the, whole the focus film. where it belongs. Yeah, on like creating really... a fourth Reich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, <man. laughs> that's what I mean. Uh, We're gonna get in trouble. You know what? Yeah. Let's open these beers and just uh, enjoy that and see what happens. All right. Right in the face. Every time. Are well, you holding it too close like, to your head? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, because I hold it up to the mic so we get the best foley. You know. My face is near the mic. Well, we're talking about the music here, and the first thing we hear is a military-style drum roll, and the first thing we see, after the titles, of course, is a graphic for the Federal Network, and this is kind of what you're describing. It's from a futuristic version of those old military newsreels from back in World War II. It's a series of videos that explain the conflict between the humans of Earth and the bugs of Klendathu, as well as the need for people to do their part by enlisting in the mobile infantry. And although we don't know what it means yet, we also learn from these videos that citizenship is a highly sought-after commodity. Yeah, so you're not born with citizenship in this world, it seems. It has to be earned through military service, and we're going to learn more about that in class soon, but not quite yet. No, not quite yet, like you said. After establishing the basics here, we go live to Clendathu, where the invasion has begun. But unfortunately for the humans, it is not going well. The reporter type guy speaking to the camera gets bitten in half by one of the bugs. Maybe you should have uh, paid more attention to all those soldiers running behind him yelling, go and run and let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, he was too busy doing a good job bringing the story to everybody. Uh, so he gets smashed. We get sort of a sense of what the Goran violence is going to be like really quickly at the start of this movie, right? Lots of corpses everywhere. And these bugs are big and vicious. And pretty decent visual effects. Like, for the ear, I was like, what are we going to get here? But pretty solid, I thought. Yeah, I think that the bugs are really well done. And I thought that the blood and gore from the fighting or the aftermath of the fighting was well done, too. There are some aspects of the effects in this movie that are not as great. But <laughs> <laughs> particularly the things that involve space. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but I thought that all of the fighting and the blood and gore was actually quite well done. Well, speaking of blood and gore, we get a little more here after a brief glimpse of our main character, Johnny Rico, who unsuccessfully attempts to kill the bug that ate the reporter, only to get horrifically gored in the leg. Now, I should mention here that Johnny Rico is played by Casper Van Dien, who is as handsome as he is untalented. And he is very, very <laughs> handsome. So do the math on that one. Oh, man. He has just a chin for the ages. Like, th there are some people who have, like, a very strong chin. His is, like, Gaston-esque. Yeah, he's a like a real-life Disney prince, I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and his acting, like you said, is absolutely atrocious. We're going to talk yeah. all about it <laughs> as we go through, though. He's got that in common with a lot of other people in this movie. Now, one year earlier, that same handsome bozo was in a classroom getting yelled at by his instructor for drawing pictures of Denise Richards when he should be paying attention. But she's right there, so can you blame him? <laughs> so you're saying that you would also be distracted if uh, Denise Richards was oh in your God, classroom? Oh my God, 100%. Now, either way, we get some more backstory here as the instructor, who, by the way, is Richter from Total Recall, explains how democracy failed when social scientists brought the world to the brink of chaos, and it was military veterans who took control, establishing a stability that has lasted for generations. I'm assuming you were just pulling your hair out for this entire scene. 
<laughs> Why do you say that? Because of my uh, social scientist background or yeah, my... Your woke uh, yeah. PC culture essentially failing in this movie? It, very quickly, you were getting a suggestion that, yeah, it is violence that keeps the human race in line and that we should always be listening to the military. This was, of course, upsetting, but uh, as a movie, <laughs> uh, I wasn't ready to completely dismiss what I was seeing. Well, that's good. I did question, though, whether the director was on board here. I Very quickly, I was like, is this uh, conservative propaganda? Oh, my God. Well, apparently, some of the reviews when this came out, I think it was the Washington Post, like some newspaper actually referred to the director as a Nazi. Like, wow. Yeah? yeah? As yeah. a neo-Nazi. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, again, dicey, but we'll try and get through this. After class is dismissed, the students rush off to check their exam scores. Apparently, good scores, especially in math, are key to getting accepted into the Fleet Academy. Denise Richards, perhaps foreshadowing her role as a nuclear physicist in The World Is Not Enough, holds it a 97%. Johnny Rico, 35. Oh, ouch. Um, she was Christmas in that movie, right? Dr. Christmas Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's one we could probably talk about on this podcast for sure. Um yeah, so obviously she's brilliant, and they have a relationship. They're kind of outlining that, right? You can tell they're kind of into each other, boyfriend-girlfriend kind of thing. Um, but he is clearly dumb as bricks, uh, getting that 35%. His friend comes up. Uh, we get a Neil Patrick Harris sighting here. Yeah, and he's like, psychic? <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know, but he displays his 35 on the board and makes everyone sort of laugh at Rico here. But then we sort of, is this where we transition to him then being, like, very competent? Uh, who, Harris or Rico? Rico. No, not yet. Not yet, well, okay. Uh, it's He's, hard to say. Yeah. You mentioned Denise Richards being smart. She's smart at math, but when we transition to biology class, she's not quite as uh, adept there. The students are dissecting bugs, and we see immediately that Denise Richards might not have the stomach for military service, literally, as she pukes when Johnny Rico asked her to hold some of the organs. Then we get to spend a little more time with Neil Patrick Harris's character, who is trying to see if his friend Johnny Rico has any psychic ability. How's this go for old Johnny R? <laughs> he does worse than would be statistically likely if you were just guessing. <laughs> but this way you should have guessed one statistically. He has because he's over. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's really struggling with the mental capacity. He was fine with the gore, though. He succeeded in tearing apart that bug and pulling everything out. So we know he's competent there. Neil Patrick Harris's character is kind of weird here, right? Like... He has a relationship with his ferret, and he convinces it to go and, like, attack his mom in some way, but without, like... Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> he's just, he's kind of a, he's, he puts the score up on the board for him to see it. He gets the ferret to go, like, abuse his mom. He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, he is a weird character here. I, I would be curious to see how... And, like, he became famous later. I wonder how he looks back well, on Well, now, hang role. on. He had already been famous from Doogie Howser, M.D., this was one of his first kind of like adult roles, at least like mainstream. Absolutely. You're right. Um, do you think he took this then to sort of shake off being Doogie Howser? Sure. Is that the kind of move sure. here? Because I think he would probably not look favorably on this role later. Ah, you know what? I kind of think I uh, smell what you're cooking and we'll talk about it in a minute. So Johnny Rico might not be good at math and he's got zero psychic ability. But you know what he is good at? Arena football. <laughs> 
Not only does he do multiple flips over guys to avoid tackles, which is patently ridiculous, but he also makes a huge catch with five seconds left, diving over the goal line for the win. Yeah, the wire work in his flips (laughs) is so funny. The way that he just sort of spins upside down and over two people before making the catch is so laughable and enjoyable. It kind of reminded me of some of the football moves we saw on flash gordon yeah, it was like a fucking gymnast coming off a trampoline doing yeah things that no human can do like good lord uh we see him next getting ready for the big dance in his parents house and they are incredibly unimpressed that he is considering military service his dad tells him he's going to harvard and that's the end of it so i guess uh, he hasn't seen those math scores huh <laughs> well i think his dad it clearly comes from wealth so i think his dad can uh, probably buy him a spot in there is what they're suggesting Right, but he's he's wealthy, but they are not citizens, right? So it's interesting. I don't know how that works. You're right. So they are very wealthy, but neither his parents, I think, are on side with the federation. They don't yeah. they don't care about that. They'd rather have their wealth. And it sounds like maybe they direction is sort of putting them as the like academic class rather than the mm. like citizen class. It's hard to tell. So maybe yeah, maybe being a citizen is not a requirement to attain wealth just to participate in certain government things? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Just to be able to vote and make decisions on who's in power, you need to be a citizen. Although later we find out that lots of people enrolled so that they could get careers like a teacher, a journalist, right? Like they needed to be citizens. Yeah, to to be a part of those things. So it was interesting to see. Yeah. um, Speaking of power, Johnny Rico's dad thinks he's the one with the power. And it seems that they agree on a trip to Zegama Beach to satisfy his kind of urge to go to space. But we know that he's going to end up enlisting and disappointing them. And speaking of Johnny Rico disappointing people, from there, we're off to the dance. (laughs) Did you bring up disappointing? Because we haven't mentioned her yet, but there's sort of another girl who's had her eye on Johnny Rico. A little bit of a love triangle here. Yeah, but he does not reciprocate. Dizzy is the character's name, I think. Yeah, and they're friends. She's the quarterback on his arena football team, and they share all the classes together, and she obviously is pining after him, but he has his heart set on I, like our brilliant mathematician, future pilot. Um, she asks him why they never got together in a slow dance at the dance, and he says, can't we just be friends? Yeah. And this is where I'm like, this is a soap opera. We are literally watching <laughs> a space soap opera. The way that lines are delivered and the way that the plot is being framed is just... So much like it should be on an afternoon soap. Well, and the caliber of acting. Let's not oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's all about handsome and attractive people and not people with any kind of talent. Now, I love, I love how after Johnny Rico shoots down Dizzy, Neil Patrick Harris slides in with just the creepiest look on his face, the scooper. Uh, and this is where I think you were getting earlier. Yet another example of a gay actor stealing a role from a straight guy. That's what you're mad about, right? No. That's not it? Oh, no. I thought you were upset about the appropriation. Uh I, I think that <laughs> he would look back on the way he acted in the straight role and maybe be a little bit uncomfortable with it. I was uncomfortable with the look on his face. That look on his face was not an okay look. Well, maybe that's because he was really trying to act hard because he wasn't used to that kind of thing. I don't know. He's trying to make his penis hard? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm oh, okay. That's trying, a, to make the, a, okay. trying to make uh, that attraction feel real in a way that is difficult for him. Well, uh, so you were understandably furious. And also furious, Johnny Rico, when he sees Denise Richard flirting with Xander, his rival from the football game. But I suspect that anger will quickly melt away, as while they're dancing, she leans in and whispers, My father's not home tonight. So it sounds like Johnny Rico ain't done scoring touchdowns yet. 
Yeah, this is a little prom night uh, lovemaking he's going to get. And how did you enjoy the sex scene they showed here? They didn't show a sex scene. I know. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. They've been building this up. This is a soap opera. Beerhoven's not afraid of sex scenes and nudity. We've seen showgirls. Yeah. No. So devoid of a sex scene, the next day they all officially enlist. And although they're all being sent to different places, Denise Richards to flight school, Neil Patrick Harris to military intelligence, and Johnny Rico to wherever they train the dumb guys, they make a promise to be friends forever, which is the most high school thing possible. I laughed my ass off. Yeah, it's such a cliche. There are very few moments where this movie is funny. It was actually one of the things that I thought was kind of lacking from it. Um, was it wasn't humorous? I in, oh, in not at it all. Was over the top. Like no, there was no humor in here. But when they go like a hand in on top of each other, like three musketeers style, and say friends forever. I almost pissed myself laughing. Yeah. What I found so silly and ridiculous is that these three are coming back together. I know this is a spoilerful podcast, but we're, we're going to see them reunited here several times throughout this movie. And the relationships change like they do uh, all the time. Yeah. So this is sort of the beginning of the larger soap opera we're going to see as they go through. But man, is it bad. I felt that the acting was bad here, but it's going to get one notched up to the worst acting in this movie as Rico is about to break it to his parents that he's enlisted. Well, I was going to say another high school cliche is your parents yelling at you for making terrible life choices, which is exactly what happens to Johnny Rico. They basically accuse him of chasing specifically Denise Richards. And I don't think they're wrong here. But if he's guilty of chasing, I guess Dizzy is guilty of chasing as she abandons her arena football career to enlist and specifically transfer to Johnny Rico's unit. I, for one, am impressed with her persistence. <laughs> yeah, it is funny to me. She's an attractive woman. She Very, had, yeah. She could have had lots of guys. I don't know why she's so stuck on Rico. It doesn't seem like she wants money. I guess just because he's so handsome. She just can't get away from that chin. And he's dynamite at catching touchdown passes. Yeah, she's yeah. used to delivering to him, and she's hoping he will deliver his package back to her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she shows up in basic training, and we see just that. This basic training is full of everything you'd expect. Angry drill sergeant, hopeful recruits jockeying for position, co-ed showers, Jake Busey, you know, all... <laughs> I was super excited. So I see this character and I'm like, they are just doing Iceman. This is Val Kilmer's character from Top Gun. Oh, see, I thought Xander was the Iceman. Because Jake Busey and him get on the same page real quick. I'm just dying because fucking Jake Busey, come on. Well, I see him and I'm like, this guy is familiar. I I have to search it up. And as soon as I found out it it was Busey's son, I was loving it. I was like, this is the best. Gary Busey's son. None of the looks, but also none of the talent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he was fine. He's made a career going to Comic-Cons over the past 30 years. (laughs) Just dining out on Starship Troopers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's in the aforementioned co-ed showers that we find out more of the perks of becoming a citizen. Only citizens can enter politics or vote, I think. Only citizens are allowed to have babies and citizens get to go to university for free. So there is a clear class system here, all based around military service. Yeah, it's definitely advantageous for you to become a citizen and become part of the Federation. If you knew that becoming one of those people was likely to get you destroyed by giant alien bugs, I think you'd be less likely to volunteer. But, yeah, but uh, they don't you know. know. They don't They don't know until they get there. No, and that's, is... But that's a common thing of all wars. You see Vietnam War movies and the troops are excited in basic training. They get in the shit and all of a sudden they fall apart because it's very real, you know? Yeah, I think a planet full of giant like human smashing bugs is 
probably a different threat than fighting other people, but you're Underestimating right. yeah. the Viet Cong like that is exactly how the U.S. lost that war. Be careful, Noel. <laughs> what a difficult thing to talk about. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I said it was going to be tough. So we spend some time with Denise Richards at the Flight Academy now. Apparently, she's crushing it as she gets to fly the big plane today. And who does she find when she gets in there? None other than Xander, who, after hearing she was coming up through the ranks, made sure they'd run into each other. And thank goodness he did. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gotten a sweet three minutes of heavy-handed flight-based innuendo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. She seems like she is a bit of a wild card here. She's brilliant, but she's doing stuff that everyone else is like, you're not supposed to be doing that, or that's impossible. She's crazy, they say. Yeah, and they let her pull out here with this giant plane, and she misses hitting the space station by, like, less than a meter. It's very close. Yeah, everyone's tense. The captain's about to say something, but she she gets there. Yeah, and so we can see that she's going to be someone who's going to be called into action when the shit hits the fan, right? Oh, yeah, she's killing it in the air. And as we see in our next scene, Johnny Rico is killing it on the ground. He wins the laser tag challenge. (laughs) I'm exaggerating slightly, but only slightly. He wins with a huge assist from Dizzy, who encourages him to bust out one of the old football plays. Yeah, the flip. He he flips over, gets three guys, takes one of their laser guns, and then wipes out the rest of the squad. It seems like it was a capture the flag game, but... He definitely smashes that and earns himself, like, head of one of the sort of squads here. And a 10 from the French judge. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking gymnastics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. No, his drill sergeant is very impressed. Impressed enough to give him his own squadron. But just as the sun rises, so must it set. And after getting dumped by Denise Richards via video message, his first squad exercise goes about as wrong as it possibly can. Oh, God. So it's... Pretty funny, the dump tape. Uh, everything is sent, apparently, in this future in mini-discs. So I don't know if you remember those, but uh, that's how they pass oh, along their messages. I bet wrong on mini-discs versus MP3s. Oh, God, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? People like to have something they could put into something. Like this, this disc is the way of the future. It was not. Nope. Definitely not. So he gets this video message on mini-disc. He plugs it into his bunk and watches. Um, the whole squad is there uh, kind of like... Telling him how hot she is, Denise Richards is, and how uh, he's a lucky guy until they get to the end. What I thought was kind of interesting was how somber they all were. Like, none of them made fun of him for the breakup, or they were all just there and had his back. Ace even has some, like, words for him and gives him a little, like, shoulder rub. I've said it before. That's when you know you've hit rock bottom. When no one's making fun of you, that's when you're like, oh, I'm fucked. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. And I think that he knows it, too. Uh, but really, he hasn't, because the next day in live training exercises, they are going about their firing when one of the members has a helmet malfunction. Yeah, and Johnny Rico's like, here, let me see that. Takes the helmet off the guy. Then one of his uh, squad gets blasted with like a laser. She falls down and shoots this dude right through the fucking brain. Johnny Rico gets a big dramatic call out to the medic. Yeah, the acting's really bad here. Both the like woman falling down who shoots the guy and then Johnny Rico's yelling. The gore's pretty good, though. The guy with his brains blown out all over the ground is looks yeah. realistic, and uh, it's going to be a problem for Johnny. His bright future just took a bit of a turn here. Definitely. Now, they don't kick him out, even though they are now minus two recruits, the one who died and the one who shot him. Instead, he's going to get administrative punishment, which is literally ten lashes in front of the whole base. Bad times for Johnny R. Yeah, they cut the shit out of his back with those whips. He gets ten giant lashes, and everyone's kind of watching it go down. Is he out now, though? Is he, is he like, done being a star, or you think he's going to get a second chance? No, I said he's still in. Those whips, though. 
Oh, here's a little known fact about this movie. This is the scene where Mel Gibson got the idea for The Passion of the Christ. That's pretty dumb. <laughs> oh, man. We've already <laughs> made so many offensive comments in this one. This is amazing. Welcome back. Season three. Um, I like coming in hot, though. That's a good idea. Coming, That's coming hot. We're coming in very hot. Well, at least, uh, speaking of Denise Richards, at least there's a chance of him getting back together with her, right? No. As the next time we see her, she's making f- me eyes at Xander while he discusses their future together. Now, before they can consummate this, there's a sudden shift in gravity as they have found themselves right in the path of a meteor attack. <laughs> That meteor requires her to pull some pretty quick maneuvers, and does she manage to save everybody on that giant ship? Of course she does. I mean, she loses, like, a top portion of the ship, which included communications, so that's bad. We forgot to mention that uh, the bugs somehow are able to launch meteors at Earth. That's their big move. They send meteors flying towards the Earth. Now, back at the base, Johnny Rico is about to quit the military when a sudden news report prompts chaos on the base, as well as the only line I remember from the trailer of this movie. Johnny Rico asks one of the other privates what's happening, and he says, War! We're going to war! Yeah, this is the guy who wants to be, I think, a journalist. He's the one spreading the message, right? What is interesting here is the communication from the ship that uh, Denise Richards is on is, is out, so they can't warn the earth of that impending meteor, right? It's blasted through, it's on its way, and what happens with it? Well, it wipes out the city of Buenos Aires, which is where Johnny Rico is from. So now he has a personal stake in this and retracts his quitting from the military. Yeah, it seems strange that it's localized to Buenos Aires, right? Like it's just one spot and everyone there died pretty much, um, including Johnny's family. I thought it's also interesting that Buenos Aires was the choice for where these characters were from. Well, that's why some of them have Latino-sounding names. Yeah, but they're not Latino. No, heavens no. This yeah. movie, although I will admit, I expected to only see, like, very attractive, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. And there's a couple of black people we see. There's, like, a Japanese guy, I think. Like, you know. <laughs> it's a little more diverse than I expected. Only a little. <laughs> You can't even hold it. So, uh, so it's wartime. And as we see via another news report, the mobile infantry kids are hyped. Kill them all. Let's get tattoos. Oh, my God. <laughs> the quality of these, like, news propaganda things are absolutely atrocious. There's one with, like, children and a mother stomping on some cockroaches. It's just absolutely shit. They're, they're all just so, so bad. There's one where Neil Patrick Harris demonstrates the right way to kill one of those bugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to shoot it in its, like... Brain stem. Yeah. No, nerve stem. Nerve stem, yeah. You can't be shooting it all over its other parts of its body. They are about to get a tattoo, just like you said, and it's a death from above tattoo. Yeah, skulls and whatnot. Looks kind of, looks kind of like the guy in this uh, fucking trooper can. Uh, the fighting is going to start at the military base, ironically enough, as Johnny Rico gets a little visit from Denise Richards and Xander, who makes a disparaging remark about the mobile infantry, which leads to a good old-fashioned pull-apart. This has been simmering under the surface for a while, and we knew it was only a matter of time until it boiled over. And this is the point where I was like, is this all leading to a triumphant ending where they gain a mutual respect and hug it out Maverick Iceman style? I thought Xander was his Iceman. In, in some ways it is. I think the difference in this well, is... Well, no, hang on a second. Xander gets his fucking brain sucked out by a oh, bug. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. No, so it's <laughs> definitely not that. So, well, no, but I think it's sort of... It's starting to lead to that. But the difference in this is Iceman wasn't trying to have sex with Maverick's girl. No, he's trying to have sex with Maverick. Yeah. 
so we there's covered a very different there. Yeah, so there's, they're so very th- special relationship. So that's a very different experience, right? I think uh, you're never going to have uh, our, our character here be okay with Xander. He's never going to be okay with him. No, I suspect you are correct. But either way, they're off to war. And what I learned from this sequence is that the people running this military operation are not nearly as smart as I thought they were. First of all, their ships are way too close together. So once one of them is struck by the alien defenses, it smashes into like five other ships, creating a chain reaction of explosions that, despite her much-touted flying skills, takes down Denise Richards' ship. And let's be honest here, the troops on the ground do not do much better. Yeah, I agree that it's just so poorly organized. And this is where you're kind of like, well, if it's only a military class and you've gotten rid of all of the intellectuals and social scientists and scientists, maybe your planning is lacking Uh a little bit here. Circling back around. I don't know. I'm going to get the wagons ready. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's going really badly for the people in the sky and it's going horribly for the people on the ground too. Yeah, there's a ton of panicking and shouting and dying and we finally catch up to the start of the movie with the news crew eating it and Rico getting one through the leg and then seemingly killed. It's a bad scene and the next day the news report paints an even bleaker picture. Over 100,000 people dead in just one hour. Not great. No, and I think very shortly after we're up to something like I don't know, 395,000 casualties already in this thing as we get Denise Richards going to the board and looking to see what happened to her old fling Rico. Yeah, despite seemingly getting wiped out in an explosion earlier, we see that Denise Richards' ship and crew are mostly intact. They arrive at an outpost to heal up, which is where she sees the unfortunate news that John D. Rico has been killed in action. But it's not true, as we immediately see him floating in some kind of healing tank and Dizzy and Jake Busey laughing about his killed in action status. So how and why was he declared dead? Who is in charge of this clown show? I was really confused, too. I was wondering if this was intentional. Like, are they, for some reason, trying to... He's going undercover. Yeah, He's going to yeah. pretend to be a bug, and they need to know that he's dead. No, fuck I no. don't know. I didn't understand either, so I guess they were just saying that mistakes can happen when that many people die. Is that We just of- saw a fuck ton of mistakes happen. Terrible job by them. Now, this close call wasn't enough to dampen their enthusiasm for military service, as they are heading right back into the action, this time with a new unit, Razchak's Roughnecks, led inexplicably by Johnny Rico's high school teacher as Richter from Total Recall, and his fancy robot arm. Yeah, when he was a teacher, he had nothing. He just had like a stump, right? But now he has this sweet arm. We've seen those once before. I think his commanding officer at basic training also had one of those arms. Oh, maybe, yeah. Well, luckily, this dude runs a tight ship, and they do a much better job in that horseshit initial invasion, moving methodically around the planet and nuking many bug holes. They also manage to take out a giant bug that rises from beneath the sand, and by they, I mean the incredibly courageous and handsome John D. Rico, who jumps on its back, shoots a hole in its outer shell, and then jams a grenade down its back after riding it rodeo style. Yeah, this is an impressive move for Rico, and uh, he definitely makes an impression upon his squad leader and ex-teacher here. Oh, absolutely. They're going to give him another promotion. Although it isn't exactly done with glowing praise. I need a corporal. You're it until you're dead. Or until I find somebody better. <laughs> but hey, you know, a win's a win. <laughs> well, and this is only an opportunity because the old corporal got, like, their arm flamed off. Yeah, but as you've seen, there's robot arms, so why couldn't she come back? I mean, it's probably going to take her a little while to heal. Maybe he, she'll replace him after. That's fair. But, like I said, this is a win for John Rico, and what do you do after a win? Celebrate with beer and fiddle music. (laughs) It's like an outer space hoedown. (laughs) I thought this was funny. Um, So they have one small victory here on the planet, and somehow he's managed to get kegs of beer. I'm guessing it was probably Iron Maiden's Trooper. 
Um, mm. And then they open up the other one and tell them to have some fun. And it's full of balls and a fiddle. Yeah. And uh, what happens once the fiddle music gets going? Oh, they start to have some fun. Um, it seems like Rico doesn't want to take part, though. He's kind of being a bit of a stick in the mud. He's really focused on fighting. But what does his old teacher come and say to him? Well, he basically tells him uh, not to be an idiot and to go bang Dizzy because she once again was coming on to Rico and he once again sent her away. Yeah, and so Rico reconsiders that he knows kind of his thing with uh, Denise Richards is is long gone. And he's got a beautiful woman who has been pining after him, basically following him from fight to fight just to get on his hog. So what has he been doing? I don't know, man. She's objectively awesome. Like, I really enjoyed the Dizzy character. And I'm like, you're an idiot, Rico. But you know what? He goes to make up for it right here. He goes, he finds her on that fiddle dance floor, and they have a little slow dance. Yeah, except while they're doing it, Jake Busey is, like, right up in their face playing the fiddle, staring at them for the first 30 seconds, which is, like, super creepy and intrusive and would immediately murder any erection that I might have in that scenario. Well, I mean, you're not going to plow her on the dance floor of this moon, are you? I'm not going to plow her anywhere that Jake Busey is. That's just... <laughs> A hard and fast rule I have. Well, I don't think they're going to invite him back to their tent. Definitely uh, not. And they don't. They don't. Uh, But this long overdue hookup is interrupted by their old teacher, who tells Rico they've received a distress call and to report in 10 minutes, at least until he realizes what's going on. Then he says, make it 20. I like that guy. Good dude. Yeah, that was a really actually funny moment. Uh, You had Dizzy and you had Rico making out there. Dizzy topless, Rico topless, right? It's good for everyone. Something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I like when he opens it up and she's hiding under there and he asks who's under there. And it isn't until he finds out that it's Dizzy that he gives him that extension, right? If it was someone else, he might have been like, fuck, you're coming now. Yeah, she reports for duty, in a manner of speaking. (laughs) But he appreciated it. And then it was funny. uh, Rico throws down like a, we can get this done in 20 minutes, right? (laughs) Johnny Rico, confident in his ability to finish fast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 20 I, minutes that gives us 13 minutes to cut off yeah i was gonna say i guarantee you rico would have been done in that 10 minutes he didn't need the extension it's been a while since he and denise did it and uh he's pretty into our dizzy character at this point yeah man well unlike us joking about john rico's uh fast finish that distress call turns out to be no joke at all as they find some kind of research station that has been completely demolished by bugs. Not the station itself, but every single human in it, except for a cowardly general they find hiding in like a fridge or something. Not only that, the bugs have sucked out the brains of every dead body there, which I have to admit is objectively terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It sounds awful. And we also find out that this distress call may have been a trap. Oh yeah, apparently... Once the brain bug kind of gets into your head, it can make the humans do stuff. And it made a guy from the base staff call for help. And sure enough, that base just gets swarmed by an absurd amount of bugs. Now, there were a couple of good parts here. I like the lieutenant calling his troops apes and the cowardly general getting accidentally wiped out and Johnny Rico basically shrugging. But there was also a super cringy moment when they call for an extraction and the person on the other end is like, land there, you have to be crazy. And Rico is like, then you better have a crazy pilot. So we know who that's going to be. Like, why did they do that? Yeah. Well, they've been setting this up the whole movie, right? Like, that was their payoff. That was their payoff? Yeah, I think so. They were high-fiving each other when that moment came around. This whole scene where they are surrounded and they're firing on these bugs, the shots are hilarious. Yeah. Especially the ones of the soldiers firing their guns. So I said earlier that I didn't laugh very much. This was the other scene that I was kind of laughing. And I don't think that was supposed to be your reaction because these guys are trying to hold on for dear life. 
But it felt so improbable that this was the situation that I just couldn't take it seriously. Well, this definitely wasn't supposed to have that kind of reaction because there is a ton of drama in the sequence. Rico has to put a bullet in his old teacher slash mentor when he gets his legs bitten off, and then Dizzy dies in his arms after getting gored by one of the bugs, and they had just gotten together. Now, I am sad to see both of these characters go, but it didn't really land for me because Casper Van Dien's acting was the giant anchor weighing this whole sequence down. To be fair to Casper Van Dien, so was Dizzy's dying moments. It's all right. Because I got to have you. It was yeah. so poorly done. Oh, and like, good. I had connected to the two of them. I wanted yeah. them to be successful. Same. Like you were making the right sort of choices in the script, but the execution just didn't happen for me. You know what, though? I'm going to say this. Even still, in spite of all that, I felt like this was the most enjoyable sequence of the movie. Really? I really did. Of all the sequences, I'm like, okay, there were a couple good lines. There's some action. There's some stuff happening. Like, again, not good. We've outlined many ways in which it wasn't terrific, but yeah. I still thought it was the best part of the movie, and that tells you something about this movie. There's <laughs> not a lot there. No. Hey, you know what we haven't seen in a while? Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> What's he doing? He's busy uh, leading a group of SS. Well, yeah, as it turns out, yes. He shows up after Dizzy's burial service and reveals that military intelligence sent the mobile infantry in knowing it was a very low probability for survival. But the opportunity confirmed that there was a brain bug on the planet was too big to pass up. Denise Richards is shocked by this, but Neil Patrick Harris is like, yeah, I'm a dick. I thought you knew. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This funeral, too, before we get NPH back is... Oh, the Van Dien monologue. Oh, <laughs> It's rough. It is maybe the worst acting he puts out here, and it's the most bullshit attempt to make this feel meaningful. When it's just him out there, they're like, this is all you. No one else is talking. It's your monologue, the big moment, and he just fucking blows it. Uh, it's, it's really, really bad. Now, Neil Patrick Harris here, he doesn't give a fuck about their lives. He's making decisions that are going to have people die all day, but he knows that if they can get this brain bug, then maybe they can win this war. So we know they're going back. Yeah, they're going back for sure because Johnny Rico was very well aware that Neil Patrick Harris is a dick. In fact, he volunteers to lead the unit back onto the planet to capture the brain bug. And once again, we see that the air fleet or whoever is in charge of organizing them is not super great at their jobs as they get wiped out by the alien defenses again, including Denise Richards. So she's basically 0 for 2 at this point. Only this time they have to actually abandon ship. Who is organizing this? I was so angry at that whole section. I was wondering whether they actually just used the same tape from the first half. Oh, as to, that's like, a good question. It's a fairly long movie. They didn't really need to pad, but it felt strange to me that they hadn't learned from the like horrendous they actions of the first one. Yeah. Like we know that they have now defense that will take out the ships, spread them apart, give them the ability to move around and avoid these beams. But no, they all get taken down. Denise Richards is crashing down into that planet. Well, sorry, she has to get to an escape pod first. Which she does. And if you can believe it, that escape pod just happens to fly right past where Johnny Rico is standing on the planet. And he briefly considers staging a rescue until he hears the unmistakable sound of her and Xander getting gored. It's got to be a real mixed bag, huh? When he hears Xander screaming, he's probably like, yeah, when it's Denise Richards, you know? He's probably over at her at this point, right? He's already no. had his one love. You think he's still in love with her? Yes. Yeah, probably. But yeah, he, he thinks about going after her, but then he says, no, I think they're probably gone. Let's keep going with our mission. So they're heading on and they're going down some bug tunnels, right? They're looking for this brain bug. Except as soon as they get in there, he's like, you know what? No, she wait, she's alive. Let's go this way. Everyone else is like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. You're going to get like court-martialed? But yeah, he just sort of has this gut feeling. We're not sure why, but 
he's going to do it anyway. He's going to take a couple people and they're going to go off and look for them. It's exactly the kind of steadfast resolve that makes a great leader. Sticking by your <laughs> Oh, he's like 30 seconds earlier. He's like, she's dead. He immediately reverses course. I would be like, who the fuck? I'm not following this guy anywhere. But they do. And of course he's right. And luckily he arrives after the brain bug has already drained Xander, but just before it could clean out Denise Richards' head. So that's very convenient also. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. The bugs, instead of just straight murdering them like we'd seen in every other case, sort of pinned them down and held them until this big, like, giant pile of snot brain bug shows up. Yeah, what did you think of these brain bug effects? I don't know. It's interesting. I thought that the eyes and face and everything looked appropriately, like, disgusting and real. Like, I thought they were pretty good. When it sucked out the brain, I thought it was entertaining until we saw Xander's, like, head start caving in and falling yeah. into it. His head is the weak part, and also the brain sucking. It's basically just a clear tube, and you can just see some shit getting sucked yeah. up it. Like, it could have been a little more. But, yeah, I think the actual creature itself looked pretty decent. Johnny Rico walks in here carrying a nuke, like, kind of like a grenade style. He even demonstrates for the bug how it works by miming an explosion. God, this guy's bad at acting. And the bug actually backs off. It's goons don't, though, and after Johnny Rico's number two guy conveniently gets hurt just enough that he isn't dead yet, but is definitely going to die, he volunteers to hold them off long enough for the nuke to do his job, just like Rico drew it up in practice. Oh, my goodness. So cliche, this moment of this one guy getting, like, injured to the point you know he's not going to make it, so he's going to save the day for everyone else and they can escape. I was groaning real hard at this moment. Yeah, he's expendable. He's the one guy who's not, like, a main character. God damn. Now they exit the cave to the sound of triumphant celebration as another part of the unit has captured the brain bug, which I was confused. Was there more than one or did they catch the one that like retreated? Uh, I think they caught the one that retreated. So I think it's the same brain bug. I think there are probably more than one brain bug in the like world that all of these bugs live in, but this may be the only one on this planet. Well, they made it sound like it was a big deal they had found one. So if there's more than one, that would seem counterintuitive. I don't know, whatever. What I do know is this is going to give Neil Patrick Harris the chance to use his psychic powers to figure out what the bug is thinking. And everyone celebrates because now that they've captured an alien brain, they're going to learn how it thinks. Yeah, this this whole ending scene here is really rough. The fact that we get the three of them back together from their friendship forever handshake, we basically have that same thing. Neil Patrick Harris is now going to use this new brain bug and learn from it, right? He's going to use his special abilities to figure out everything they need to survive. Uh, and now everything's good, right? Oh, my God. The exchange when he spots his two old friends is fucking hilarious. It killed me. He's like, oh, good, you're still alive. And Johnny Rico thinks that Neil Patrick Harris used his psychic powers to help him find Denise Richards. Neil Patrick Harris's response is like, Well, that's classified. Because he, like us, already knows that Johnny Rico has complete dick for psychic powers. Like, there's no chance that's what happened here. Rico oh. just made a dumb call and got lucky. Come on. No, so that's not how I interpreted it. No. Yes. Neil Patrick Harris sells that, like, yeah, sure, whatever, dude. Oh, no, that's not how I had it at all. I, I had zero. It. He said he has less, he has less psychic powers than a normal person should have. I agree, but he is also not the one doing anything. He's just receiving the message. He doesn't need psychic powers yeah, to receive the NPH message. NPH was trying to have him receive the message, trying to guess the card in the beginning of the movie you couldn't it guess shit well maybe he's found his way here maybe that's kind of the message they're telling us he's changed he's grown he can now receive those messages and when did he receive it when it mattered most so he could save his old flame 
Well, we're going to disagree on this, but either way, we're basically done here. We get another one of those newsreels asking, what secrets will the brain reveal? And also using our main characters to inspire others to join the military. And we end with a graphic promising that they'll keep fighting and they'll win. Ugh. I was struggling with this end propaganda. It it sort of frames it all. When it started, I questioned whether the whole thing was a propaganda reel, and this sort of closed it out for me. It definitely is. Right? You don't the, think that's just meant to drum interest for the many, many straight-to-video sequels? Well, absolutely, it's supposed to be that too, but I kind of felt like it closed out what was one long propaganda reel, and that was the intention of how it was set up or created. You're right, it is also to point to the other ones. I looked it up later, and there are several like straight-to-video follow-up versions of this. Yeah, I knew there was one. I didn't know there was more than one, but I'll take your word for it. I think there's three more. Okay. Yeah. So they definitely lean into this. And I think uh, our Johnny Rico character sort of continues throughout all of them. <laughs> well, why not, man? Yeah. What else that guy done? Well, I, I did notice that he also starred in a throwback to one of the movies we'd covered, a sequel. Actually, I think it was the third one. He was in Beastmaster 3. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, uh, to be fair, you <laughs> might recognize him from Sleepy Hollow. He's in Sleepy Hollow briefly. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. I don't know what character he is in there, but I did see that on there. And, you know, I have fun memories of that movie (laughs) (laughs) definitely so yeah we're into the credits now and i don't know man like i don't want to say it was tough for me because i found like watching it actually pretty breezy but just like trying to figure out so many aspects of this like why did characters do certain things how much of this is supposed to be satire versus literal i feel like i'm on the same way i really wanted to know what the original source material was like how much of this was trying to stay true to that or how much of this was screenwriter and director just like fucking it all up it's it's hard to take this as not a kind of propaganda towards the like military industrial complex or wanting military to be the ones who make decisions in the world and to remove democracy essentially like i don't know man in a way yeah right unless you're a part of that that's what this seems like it seems like a bit of like, the only people who could solve those problems were the military, and the only people who are successful in this are the ones who are badass fighters, basically. See, I kind of leaned on the other side of this, and I, I sort of concluded, like, this must be satire. I can see how some people might take it literally, because, like, these characters really enjoy guns and military service. But again, we kind of see signs throughout of, like, baseline incompetence and also... When so many of those enthusiastic soldiers get actually into battle, they fucking freeze or melt down. So I'm kind of like, there are like cracks in the armor there. But again, I can see how you take it either way, which kind of makes it so tricky. One thing I will say is the last time we see Johnny Rico, he is basically acting exactly like his old teacher did, leading his own squad, even using the same phrasing. So if he's kind of turning into his old teacher, does that mean we could get possibly get a sequel where he's teaching high school? <laughs> I would love that, man. How about a TV show? Oh. I'm picturing like a Welcome Back Cotter-style Netflix series. Nice. Um, having not seen number two or number three, we don't know that he's not doing that. That's true. I suppose that's right? possible. <laughs> he might. I wouldn't bet money on it, but you never know. <laughs> he might. I could see them going back and having him trying to create citizens both in the classroom and on the battlefield. Follow the same trajectory? Why not? Yeah. I think we should probably get to our ratings now. This is the thing we do every episode. We rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10. We do it twice. 1 to 10 for how bad it is. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales. Or as we call it, the Crit Crit 20. 20. And for me, that is not going to be in play this week because I don't think this movie is bad enough to warrant a 10. I do think it's bad. 
when they put out a casting call for this, were they like, must-haves, physical attractiveness, acting talent not required? <laughs> it is really hard to get through some of these scenes because of the acting, but I was impressed with the visual effects, especially kind of for this era. There was enough kind of action that I can see why people would enjoy this, and I know a lot of people that actually did enjoy it. So I don't think it's that bad. I have it as an eight. My biggest complaint with this movie I am devastated that Jake Busey is still alive at the end of this. How the <laughs> hell does he make it and all those cool characters die? You can't take out Ace, man. How did he get hired for this? <laughs> I think he was the comic relief. There is no comic relief. I know, but I think that's what they thought he was, oh, right? Well. Like, he's the guy who keeps popping up and playing the fiddle. He's the one who kind of jokes around with our main character. Like, I think he was supposed to be the buddy who lightens everything up. And in some ways it happens, and in other ways it doesn't really go far enough. And maybe they cut out a bunch of scenes he was in because he wasn't attractive enough or he couldn't act well enough. Although, like, that's not much of a bar on this movie. No, there's your headline for this. As always, Jake Busey under-delivers. So I have it as an eight bad. What did you think? <laughs> Poor Jake Busey. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I agree. It's a bad movie. Um, I saw this. This is not one of the movies that this is my first watch. I saw it in theater when it yeah. came out. Yeah. So this wasn't my first time. I haven't seen it since then. I remember enjoying it as a teenage boy. So maybe that's the audience for this, right? There is a reasonable amount of nudity and there's a lot of action and the gore is pretty good. But the bad is definitely the acting. Just absolutely atrocious. The interactions aren't believable. The line delivery is not believable. This love triangle is garbage and doesn't make any sense. Um, I thought that the special effects on the bugs and the gore were good. But I struggled with a lot of the special effects of space. And some of the cuts and scenes of like their uniforms and their guns. I don't know. It just didn't seem believable to me. And maybe that's just the time. We've just gotten way better at creating those things. So all of those things added up to me as an eight bad as well. Oh, Jesus. We have the same fucking score. That's I not know. exciting for anybody. I know. So Well, but, oh, but hang yeah. on, though, because we may differ here. How enjoyable did you find this movie? Um, I like some of the cheesy action. I thought the sound effects were good. The music was lacking. I enjoyed the shower scenes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I did laugh at the friendship between the three of them, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and... Oh, friends yeah. forever. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So that gave me a good laugh. I laughed at the ridiculousness of that scene where they were getting extracted and everything was going badly. So there were some good chuckles there. Like you said, I do think that this was fairly breezy. I yeah. was worried when I saw how long it was. Over was two like, hours. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it through this. But compared to many of the movies we've watched, it wasn't a difficult watch, no. right? So all of that said, put together, my enjoyability on this was a seven. Okay. So we are going to be slightly different. You mentioned seeing this as a teenager and believing that like specifically teenage boys were kind of the target audience for this. We have a fairly immature sense of humor. If you didn't pick <laughs> up from all the fucking dick jokes and stuff earlier. Uh, so for me, still, you know, enjoying many of the same things I did enjoy as a teenager, I actually kind of enjoyed this a decent amount. Now, don't get me wrong, in uh, my Paul Verhoeven power rankings for our podcast, I have this well behind Total Recall and also behind Showgirls. This is my least favorite of the three Verhoeven movies that we've watched, but I did enjoy that sequence in the middle. Ridiculous though it was, it got me in it. Unlike you, I actually thought that the new sequences were kind of interesting. It very much reminded me of the kind of old World War II style newsreels. 
And I thought that was one of the biggest hints that we're looking at a satire. The idea of like kids pitching in by killing insects, that to me just shows the ridiculousness of the whole thing. So I did enjoy this. I actually have it as an eight enjoyable, a little higher than you. I can't say with to a certainty that I'd watch this again. I will not be watching any of the sequels because who gives a fuck? But you've described movies before. If somebody had this on in a room, I wouldn't like leave the room. I'd be like, I kind of drift in and out for parts. That's probably how I'd do that. So I was an eight enjoyable. It's interesting that you say you'd never watch any of the sequels. For me, I'm almost curious where they go from here. I mean, it's probably just more. If, well, if there's, there's just five sequels, guess yeah, what? Yeah. They fight the bugs. There's some mission. Then they go do it again. Like you know, Johnny's just gonna keep scraping by and killing a whole bunch of bugs, but not actually dying. And yeah. he's gonna find a new like. You think he and uh, the Denise Richards character get together? It could be like what happened here. They'll drift into each other's lives and like whatever. But you yeah. know, he'll find some new person and then she'll die. And, you know, fuck <laughs> No, so uh, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, we're a little off, but not too far off. Not a bad way to start our first season. Thanks, audience, for voting on that. How about this beer? Good way to start things off? I enjoyed it. I thought uh, that uh, the Robinsons and Iron Maiden together created a pretty easy-to-drink British-style ale. How about yourself? I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this beer. It is a... Uh, fairly malt heavy. Like, I didn't get a lot of the hops, which is what I was nervous about. I thought I was real smooth, real easy to drink. I will be drinking this beer again for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it definitely leaned on the malt side, but I also thought it kind of had like a crisp, almost sweet finish. Yeah, and, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that that made it very, very easy to drink, and it sounds like it's very accessible. I think over 15 million pints, they say, have been drank of this. So oh, yeah. lots and lots of people have enjoyed it, and if uh, you can find... Uh, your own Iron Maiden Trooper beer, it's worth having one for sure. Well, I'm sure if we can get it in stores here, you can find it almost anywhere because it's a British beer, right? So yeah, should be hopefully easy. Check it out. It's good stuff. Not if you're looking for the fucking super hoppy IPA that Noel usually enjoys, but if you like actual beer like me, it's a, it's a great one. Crack a few of these on a hot summer day. I'm rolling my eyes aggressively at Cooper. I know that's not good practice on a podcast, but... Uh, his actual beer comments are somewhat triggering, just sort of like the acting in this movie. Well, listen, if you're rolling your eyes now, just wait until next week, because next week we are going to be watching what is widely considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. And it's one that was recommended to us by a friend. It's one that's on a ton of bad movie lists. And it's one that is, uh, let's just say, a little more low budget than what we usually watch. Uh, next week, we are watching a little film called Birdemic. Oh, no. Really? I have heard of Birdemic. I think I've had a couple people tell me it's a really bad movie, but I don't I don't know. I definitely haven't seen it before. I'm not sure what to expect. Neither have I. It'll be a first time viewing for me, but I'm excited for it for the exact reasons you've described. If you haven't already, please follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram, at the BMB Podcast. Feel free to send any comments uh, about our first episode. Also, we're looking for more requests for the season, so feel free to send those through to the DMs of our social media. Or email us, thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We love hearing feedback and ideas and suggestions. So by all means, jump on there, get a hold of us. And we hope you'll join us next week for Birdemic. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Rico should have kept it dizzy. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you should have. A new kind of enemy. A new kind of war.